You may be seated. Well, as we take a look at this passage of Scripture, <clears throat> you can go ahead and put the next one up. As we look at this passage of Scripture, we, uh, we see a lot of things going on. Uh, and this is real life, true life stuff. This is stuff that, you know, when we just heard Aaron talk about how God was in charge and was in control of the situation that was going on with that young man. And you're right. He, he had a special plan for that young man. Don't know what it is, but he had a plan or he would have never let him go through that, but also the result coming through. He also was in the Carter family life as they, from days of old, man, when you said that they moved to the Dakota Territory, I'm like, whoa, that's cool. Because I lived in the Dakota Territory, but at that time was North Dakota. And to see that God was in control from a very early part of life to today, you know, I got to go over to Donna Maryland's this this week because I, 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 I did the pop in with them. You know, I was like, <laughs> "Pastor's here," and they're like, "Oh, come on in. Want some coffee? No, cookies? No." And he told me that story, and I said, "That's it. That's the story. The story that needs to be told about God at work. Our hands are part of the, part of following His orders." Okay, and so that brings us to today's 12 verses. And here we see a very interesting topic, which is kind of a continuation of everything that we have seen from chapter 1, verse 1, and now we're in chapter 4. And it goes through, and it's giving the exact same message in a different way, in another way that's going to drive it home even further. And this time, it was not about them just going out and preaching. Now they're in trouble. There are people that want to hurt them. And I want you to understand what's going on. Next slide. I want you to understand what's going on. We see here, in this, we see the God-given power in Acts. We see that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, of Nazareth, it's all focused on him. But we have to first look at those first four verses where we see the anger of the leaders. The Sadducees, the high priest, the temple, uh, the, the, the captain of the Temple Mount. We're, we're looking at some major, major players, okay? We're looking at these, 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 these Jewish leaders. They are disturbed because of what Peter and John are doing and proclaiming that there is resurrection from the dead. That's why they're upset. These priests had very special influence. They were often very close relatives of the high priest. Kind of the, he's my brother, give him the job. The captain of the temple guard was a leader of the guards who were stationed around the temple to ensure order. Okay? The Sadducees, okay, I have to. Why? Are they called Sadducees? Because they're sad, you see. Okay, good. You heard that one. Good, good. All right. <laughs> 
They were members of a small and powerful Jewish religious sect that did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Isn't it funny that we're talking on, on this actual part of Scripture on All Saints Sunday, where we remember the dead. They were, these three religious leaders stood to gain financially by cooperating with the Romans. This is our house, and we get paid to be in it. Most of those who planned and carried out Jesus' trial, his crucifixion, guess what? Were these very people. So the exact same people that took Jesus out and did what they did to him, and they thought, it's over. Jesus is gone. They're the exact same ones who are sitting there going, oh no, more of them crazies. They're upset. They're angry. They're so frustrated that they can't see past their own fundamental beliefs. Even though the nation was under Roman rule, the Sadducees had almost unlimited power over the temple grounds. They were able to arrest and they were able to take Peter and John for no reason but for teaching something that was different than what they wanted them to teach. That's how powerful they were. So, in verse 3, they arrested them. Peter and John were seized and jailed overnight. Why? Because it was too late in the day to do anything else, so just throw them in jail. Seldom Seldomly will sharing the good news send us to jail as it did Peter and John. But still, guess what? We do run a risk in trying to win others for Jesus. We might, not, we might be willing to face a night in jail to bring 5,000 people to Jesus, but shouldn't we be willing to suffer for the sake of one? I'm asking you, what do you risk in witnessing? And we just heard Aaron say, I shouldn't have said that. I, 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 they don't, I, no. We can't combine church and state. Do we, do we risk being rejected? Persecuted? Whatever the risk, realize that there's nothing, that, it, that, that nothing is done for God is ever wasted. We just saw a lot of law there. But then verse 4, what do we say? Beautiful gospel. What God has done. We see in verse 4 where it says, But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. God still was taking care. Even in this hard time, even in the time of getting yelled at, getting cussed, getting getting hurt, pulled away, thrown in jail. He then said, but wait, watch this. I'm going to add to you. I'm going to add to you some more. 3,000 here, 5,000 there. Believers. What's he doing? He's building an army. An army of witness. An army to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. 
all through the Sadducees' anger, the frustration, but then he also multiplied. So that's the first thing we see. So the second thing we see is that now Peter gets a chance to talk. Man, I love when Peter talks. I can't wait to hear. This is round one now, okay? Round one. Ding, ding, ding. They asked him, by what power or by whose name have you healed the cripple? The rulers and the elders and the teachers of religious law made up the Jewish high council, and they wanted to know, how can you do this? Don't you see what we did to Jesus? Luke chapter 22, verse 66, says this. When it was day, the council of elders of the people assembled, both chief chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to the council chamber, saying, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And it continues where he says, Yes, I am. Kind of angered him. Kind of got him hot under the collar. It had 70 members, this council, of the, of, of the high priest who presided over the group. The Sadducees held a majority of the ruling group. They were the wealthy, the intellect, the powerful men of Jerusalem. Hmm. Does that ring a bell? The powerful? The wealthy, the smart ones, they were it in the world. They were the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. Should I get a mirror? Because it's not just, Peter's not giving this message just to that group. He's giving it to us. The powerful, the smart ones, the wealthy. Real life stuff here, right? Jesus, Jesus' followers stood before the exact same high priest that Jesus had stood, stood before. The high council asked Peter and John by what power they had healed the man and, they, and what authority they had been preaching. The actions and the words of Peter and John threatened them. They were more interested in their own reputation and position than in God. This morning we were talking about the first commandment in confirmation. Very simple. Keep God first. Why? We should fear, love, and trust God and keep Him and Him only. Number one. It's just that simple. But Peter was able to be able to speak as we see. It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Mark chapter 13, verse 11, when it's, where, where, where it says, When they arrested you and handed you over, do not worry beforehand what you are about to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Peter, being full of the Holy Spirit, spoke boldly before the council. He actually put the council on trial, didn't he? 
He put them on trial by showing them the one that they had crucified had risen again. <laughs> Can you imagine? This, this guy is just nuts. He not, he not only got up and said, listen to this, listen to this, to all the, the normal folk. He went to the big dogs. He went to the Senate and the House. He said, by the way, phooey, this is what happened. This was Peter's answer. The Spirit gave him the strength and the boldness to be able to say it. To be able to get in their face and say, you're wrong. He rose again from the dead. I saw it. I walked with him. I talked with him. I saw him go. Then he told me to go to that upper room right up there and wait. And all of a sudden, he did a miracle. He filled, with, with, filled me with so much power and so much courage. I think of Psalm 27, the last, very, very last, verse 14. Be strong and courageous. Wait on the Lord. <gasps> but now it was his time to go. And so he went and he told them. He put them on trial. He turned the tables. Instead of being defensive, the apostles went on the offensive, boldly speaking about God and presenting the good news to the leaders. We see this in verse 8 through 11. He was healed in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. The power is this. Invoking the name of Jesus alone is sufficient. In the name of Jesus Christ means the authority of Jesus Christ. The apostles were doing the healing through the Holy Spirit's power, not their own. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 verse 22 and 24 says this. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man uh, uh, attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, and you nailed him to the cross by the hands of the godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of the death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. They shared the good news. They didn't just walk up and punch him in the mouth. They walked up and said, this is what you got to hear. Like we saw last week with Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses to the, to the, to the door. They, I'm not here to fix the door. I'm here to change your theology. That's what Peter's doing. He's walking up and saying, you're wrong. This is what's right. Let me show you why. Because I've got first-hand knowledge. I saw it. I know it to be true. Wow, this is amazing. This is amazing what Peter's doing. The resurrection of Jesus meant that he is the Son of God and that his word can be trusted. It means that his sacrifice for sin is acceptable to God so we can be completely forgiven. You're going to get a second to come up here and, and come before his table and be given this, his body and blood which he gave for you 
for the forgiveness of sins. The very thing Peter's preaching. It means that our Savior is alive and He's active, able to help us in all of the things that we're going through. It also means that one day, too, we're going to conquer death. We're going to conquer death, and the Christian faith rests on the basic fact of the empty tomb. Please do not neglect this essential part of the gospel message when you share your faith with others. Because if we look even further, let's go down to verse 12. Verse 12, we see this. His name and his name alone results in redemption. Many, many people react negatively to the fact that there's no other name that, that Jesus is called to be, to, uh, that, that Jesus to call on for salvation. Yet this is not something the church decided. It is a specific teacher of Je- teaching of Jesus himself. Guess what? You ready? Jesus is the Savior of the world. There's no other equal. There's no other equal. There is not another low-case G God that rose from the dead. Buddha, still on the ground. Muhammad, still on the ground. How many more you want, want me to name? How about when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments and they came down, guess what? They're, they're worshiping an idol. Guess what? Idol's gone. Didn't do anything. Jesus is no longer in the ground. Jesus is no longer on the cross. Jesus is alive and active. Jesus is working right now in our lives. Jesus is the one that when you are going through a hard time, he's there to walk with you. I love that picture of the footprints. We all have seen it. We've all read it. How many of us have looked at it after the fact that we've gone through a hard time? Boy, there's only one set of prints there. That must be when God took a break. Nope, it's when he was carrying you. Because as you see, the, the sand goes down a little deeper. Peter knew this. Peter, who went through hard times, who saw his leader, his best friend, killed? Peter, who denied him three times. Peter, who left his whole life, is now preaching the gospel and training the gospel. Peter's answer is powerful, prophetic. And we see pardon in it. Because the pardon comes from Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Our focus should be on Jesus, whom God provided as the the way to have an eternal relationship with himself. There is no other way or name. Jesus tells tells us in the Gospel of John. Next slide. Here it comes. Oh, there it is. I love that. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I know I told you this before. I had a person in one of my 
congregations that, that we put that up one day and I was preaching on it. She said, nope. I'm like, huh? I mean, I'm pretty good on the roll, but I'm just like, hiding. No. Okay. Good thing my deacons came and got her <laughs> to have a conversation. But you know what? He is the only way. Why? Because he said so. The religious leaders arrested Peter and John to demand to know why they healed this crippled man. Peter says it in a very, very easy way. I did it because Jesus gave me the power. Then they said, don't do that again. And he said, no, I'm going to. There was frustration, but we see God multiplied. There was anger through God's Holy Spirit. There was an answer. We do see the God, the God of glory was shown with his grace, mercy, and love. There, you know, I'm going to always slide it in somewhere. God knows what he's doing, everybody. God knows what he's doing and why he's doing it and how he's doing it. But right now, I'm, I'm asking you a question. Do you believe that? Jesus is, I wish it said, the only way, the only truth, and the only life to get to heaven. In a few minutes, you're going to come before the Lord, and you're going to bow down, if you're able, and you're going to ask for forgiveness. Going to ask for mercy. Going to ask for grace. And guess what he's going to show you? <gasps> yep. Say it again. Very good. Very good. Grace, mercy, love. And that's what we're going to get in just a very, a very few seconds. Because we see it in his word, we see it through the, the elements. The, the sacraments of, of the altar, and we're going to see it eventually with Miss Cora there in baptism very shortly. But one thing that I do know is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father but through him, and that is God-given power. Amen? Amen? Father God in heaven, I come before you with my family, with my family of believers here, and Lord, I'm asking for you to touch those in this group right now that maybe are fighting you a little bit, maybe are going through a hard time and they don't know how to turn, where to turn. But Lord, you do know what you're doing, and you do know how, when, and why. And so now I'm asking for you to come to our hearts, soften it to the point where there is no way except for say yes to you. I love you, Lord Jesus, and I praise your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.